0: John, if you would, go back to that next to last slide of the song right there. Church, I want you to look at those words again and and look at that message that every day of our life, this is what we are called to live by. This is my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone and nobody else do you realize the moment that you give your heart to God he wants to have all of you and the moment that you do that Satan from the very beginning of time is going to have a heyday with that because he's beginning to realize here's one more person that's giving their heart to God rather than me and satan doesn't like that and so i want you to think about that as we go through some of the scriptures that we're going to look at this morning and i want you to turn to revelation chapter twelve john you don't have to turn there on the slide yet but i want you to turn in your bibles to revelation chapter twelve and i want you to just put your bible down and we're going to get there to revelation twelve in just a moment but before we look at revelation twelve We're going to look at several other scriptures uh, to kind of build up to that model. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, win hands down? I'm going to win something hands down. Now, when you think of that phrase, a lot of you may think about, well, winning something hands down is something that's pretty easy. It has no difficulty. It's a certainty, okay? It's almost a guarantee that you're going to win, Okay, For example, if you're at a coffee tasting contest and you taste a cup of coffee that is just far superior than all the other coffees that are there, you could say that that particular cup of coffee that you're sipping on uh, beats the rest hands down, meaning that it's easily the best in the competition and there's no way that any of the other coffees that may be lined up are going to win that. OK? Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the origin of that phrase "to win hands down," it comes from horse racing. How many of you love horses this morning? How many of you love to watch horse racing? That is one of those sports that is pretty phenomenal and pretty amazing to watch. Uh, I want you to look at the picture up here for a minute while I explain this. During a race, here's what happens the jockeys will have a firm hold on their horse's reins, allowing the riders to control the speed and also to control the direction of that horse. Well, as the race is going on, and especially toward the end of a race, if a jockey kind of looks back and he finds himself far ahead from all the other horses, A lot of times what a jockey will do is they will kind of let up a little bit and they don't have to hold such a tight grip on that horse or on the reins. And so the rider chooses to relax his hold and he kind of lowers his hands being confident that victory is in sight, maybe just a few gallops away. And so to win something hands down meant that a rider, that the jockey's victory was pretty much a for sure thing, and he was going to win that race hands down. Now, I want you to think of that phrase, and I want you to segue to this. God wants you and I to view the Christian race the same way. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, I read this at the beginning as our call to worship, and we were reminded that we are standing in the grace of God and we come to him and this is what it means to win hands down according to the Apostle Paul. It means that we win that we are on the victorious side of the Christian race because of this. We win in his power and in the strength of his might. If there's ever a time where you get away from that, and you try to do something on your own power, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to win, hands down. You're, gonna, you're on your way to lose. But as long as you win, and as long as every day of your life that you are resting in the power and in the might of the Lord Jesus Christ the promise is we're gonna win and not only are we going to win but we're gonna win hands down now here's the problem I think the challenge that we face as God's people is to live our life like that a lot of times we live as though we've already been defeated we we live as though we've already lost but folks listen the whole Bible is a reminder, page after page after page, of this: that God's people win; that God has already laid that down for us. He's already won. Now it's it's interesting and it's fun to go through there and to look at all the battles and to look at all the victories that take place. But you know what's really amazing to realize is that we already know how the story is going to play out we already know how the story is going to end and that is as God's people we are victorious I want you to say that this morning say we are victorious as Christians say that it's one thing to say that but are you living your life that way look at John chapter 15 beginning in verse 18 if the world hates you you know that it hated me before it hated you if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world but I chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you now if you're wondering man, Patrick where in the world are you reading I'm reading from a Bible it's called the English standard version okay most of the time in my preaching you know I preach from the NIV but there are times where I will use other uh, translations just to make a point and just to kinda give us a variety that doesn't mean that you need to go out and trade your Bible in for what I'm reading because I'm I'm gonna be jumping around quite a bit I love the English standard version in fact a lot of the words that are translated uh, in the English Standard are very accurate to where we are today and so look at this and folks here's a reminder we need to understand we live in the United States of America and for the people who live here it's very easy to say we live in the best country ever I mean this is it well okay that's great but do you realize something God does not love one particular country over another okay he doesn't have a chosen country what he has is a chosen people and there's a big difference and so God can love people from any country that he wants to but what he wants us to realize is this world is not our home and so in John 15 Jesus is reminding us if the world hates you hey remember something It hated me first. And so as long as you're going to be a follower of mine, you're going to be hated. And you know why? Because we do not belong to this world. This world is not our home. What are we doing? We are just a passing through. Praise God for that, right? We are on our way to heaven. We're on our way to a far better country. And so he has a chosen people. And so because of that, from the beginning of time, like I said a moment ago, we have been in a constant state of spiritual warfare. And here's what you see. You see God versus Satan. You see the people of God versus Satan and all of his angels. Okay, Yes, Satan has angels. You see all of that taking place. You see that constant state and we're seeing this in our Bible classes right now as we're going through the prophets. Hey, what do God's prophets demand? Right over here, God's prophet demand justice. Okay? And so you see this constant thing in our world today of good versus evil. And you see the prophets begging and trying their best on behalf of God to get the people to change their ways and when they change their ways and they change their heart they're finding their way back to God we need to be reminded first of all in God's kingdom this world is not our home okay now there's several writers that help us see this Jesus reminds us of it in John chapter 18 verse 36 he answered he says, my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews but my kingdom is not from this world and so that comes from Jesus and then over in Philippians chapter 3 here's how Paul says it. he says but my citizenship our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. Paul, our citizenship is in heaven. It's above. It's not down here, okay? We're just kind of going through this world. But our citizenship is resting above us in heaven. And then you see Peter over in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. I love how Peter writes this. He says, I urge you as sojourners, love that word and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh again that is Satan at work which wage war against your soul which is totally opposite he's saying of what God wants you to look like and how God wants you to live but he says keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evil doers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter, what's he saying? We're just a sojourner, okay? We're just an exile. We're just passing through this foreign land. But then over in 1 John chapter 5, look at how John says it, the apostle. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Who's the evil one, church? It's Satan. It's the devil. Okay? All these writers throughout the New Testament paint us a picture that we belong to God. I love how C.S. Lewis says it in his work, Mere Christianity. He writes this. He says, Enemy-occupied territory. That's what the world is. And he goes on to say Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say, landed in disguise, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. You see that? We're living in enemy occupied territory, but what's stronger than that is as the people of God are living here in a territory that's been taken over by the devil, that's been taken over by the enemy. Church, listen, we, in the power of God and in the strength of his might, we are stronger than anything that Satan can throw our way. He wants us to believe that and he wants us to live like that. And when you turn over to Revelation chapter 12, here is the beautiful picture that we see. God's people, His church, wins. And not only do they win, but in the term of a horse race and a jockey, we win hands down. But in the meantime... We don't relax and we don't just go through this world like everything is going to be fine because it's not. Because Satan knows your weakness. And just about the time that you're cocky about it and you think, man, we've got this. Satan is there to tempt. He's there to throw things our way as Peter will go on to write. He is there ready to prowl and to devour his people. But in Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to read starting in verse 13 in just a moment. But when you look at the beginning of Revelation chapter 12, and again, remember, you see a lot of imagery, you see a lot of numbers, you see a lot of symbols throughout uh, John's writing in Revelation. But at the very beginning of chapter 12, you see a woman that's clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she's pregnant. This woman, I believe, is a picture here at the beginning of Old Testament Israel. And if you look there in verse 4, it says that the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child when? The moment that it was born. Church, look at that. Man, I mean from the moment that a new person is about to come into this world there is Satan ready to devour ready to grab that child why because Satan wants to have control over that person and not God and so as that picture continues you go on and you see in verse 7 there was war in heaven that's taking place and it goes on to say that you have Michael And his angels that are fighting against the dragon, who's the dragon? Again, the dragon is the evil one. It's the devil. It's Satan. And so you have a war taking place in heaven between Michael and his angels and Satan and his angels. And you know what God does during all of that? He is going to take that child and he's going to protect her. He's going to protect that child as his very own. Why does he do that? Because he knows that Satan is there ready to devour and he wants to do all he can to snatch that child up and protect that child. And that's the picture that we get of the church, of how Jesus comes for us as his church. And look down, beginning in verse 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled down and thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she can fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half a time. And the serpent poured water poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Do you see the power of God at work? Do you see how Satan is trying to paint this picture that he may try to work hard? But do you see what God does? God's working even harder to come along and to stop all of that. And then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war On the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. Now, do you know what I love about this? When you get to the end of this chapter, here's what Satan is beginning to realize Satan knows I've been defeated, I've lost here. And anytime he realizes that, man, he gets really. Really angry about that. And so he's been defeated. He's lost. He couldn't defeat the child. He couldn't defeat Jesus. He couldn't defeat the church. And so what does he do? Collectively, he realizes, I can't beat the church. Isn't that great news? That's powerful testimony of the witness of the church. And he realizes, because he can't beat the church, What's he going to do next? He's going to go to the offspring, and he's going to go after each individual. Church, you realize in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus says, "On this rock." He looks at Peter and he says, "On this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades." Will not be able to stand against it. You realize the picture there of a gate? That's a defense. That's a mechanism of defense there. That gate is to protect. That gate is there to help us realize that as the church, as the people of God, we win. And we win not because of anything we've done, we win because we are resting under the power and the might of Almighty Jesus. And if you look up a couple of verses in Revelation chapter 12, look at verse 11. Here's how they did this, and this is the challenge that I give to us this morning as a church. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers in this world. And we do that step by step, day by day, inch by inch, however you want to look at it. We do that. John says, and we overcome by the blood that's already been shed for us and by the testimony that comes out of our mouth. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And that power is available to us. And so the question this morning is not who's going to win this battle. That's already been decided. The battle belongs to who, church? Belongs to the Lord. Jesus won the battle, and he took care of that at Calvary. And every Sunday, we're reminded of the beautiful picture of that as we gather around the table and as we remember sacrifice and we remember the body and we remember the blood that was shed for us and we're overcomers today because of that blood and that testimony that we give and so the question is whose side will you be standing on that's the question whose side Will you be standing on? As long as you stand on the side with God and you rest under His power and in His might, you're going to be victorious. Not just today, but till Jesus comes back for His own. Isn't that good news? And there are people, more Terrence is looking at me like, yes, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm just, I'm just looking at you, Terrence that's great news and that is something that we can share that is something that we can talk about every day of our life now there may be some here this morning you feel defeated you feel lost and you don't know where to turn there's strength in numbers there's strength when the people of God come together as one voice and pray and so maybe you need prayers this morning to continue to travel to continue to to be here in this world and to live for God you have people here today that will pray for you maybe I'm looking at some this morning and I know we already have one that's going to do this but maybe there are others that are ready to say I'm ready to live on the winning side I'm ready to stop living for me and stop living for the ways of this world and I'm ready to join God's army. I'm ready to be baptized into his name. We already have one little girl that's going to be doing that this morning. There may be somebody else ready to put Christ on in baptism as well. We invite you. We urge you. If that's what you need to do in your life, we stand here this morning and leaders of this church will be here to talk with you and pray with you and do anything we can to help you on this journey. Always remember, as God's people, we are victorious. Let's stand as we sing this song together.